Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pact, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. Earthpack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So, you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. This is going to be epic, you guys. Our guest this week is an artist, designer, craftsman, and world-renowned shaper. Born in Newport Beach. He shaped his first board at 14 years old, and he spent a lot of his early years in Maui, traveling to Australia, being inspired by guys like Wayne Lynch and Mark Richards. MBK! MBK, many years of reinventing and perfecting the modern twin. His timing couldn't have been more perfect. The short board evolution was in full effect. The Echo Beach scene was on fire, and his boards were under the feet of the world's best surfers. Five decades this guy's been at his craft, living out his love for passion in the performance arts. God dang, he did it. Working as a successful career and creating many brand campaigns for Quicksilver, Gotcha, O'Neill, OP, you name it. And he's back at the top of his game, doing what he does best, shaping, air spraying, glassing, and continuing on the craftsmanship of board building in the U.S. of A. And running a mini motel. Running a mini motel. And speakeasy. Yeah, we welcome the ever stylish, the outspoken, the entertainer, and of course the legend, Peter Pimp Schroff. What the heck? Thank you for inviting us to your compound, because that's what I'm going to call this place, because you have everything. This is an oasis. This is an oasis. Yeah. Yeah. Tucked, tucked in the hills of San Pedro. Yeah, you guys go to our Patreon account because there's the only way you're going to see the footage of behind the scenes at the Shroff Palace. Peter, uh, I'm so stoked and we're both stoked and honored that, yeah, we you are. Know, that you've come on the show because honestly, you are an icon of modern surfing. You know, you, you not just in board building, but you've helped shape the fucking culture. Creativity and the image, and, style, yeah, everything. The look. The look. The look and the edginess and the 
pop and the color, everything that we grew up in, you were part of. You you fucking pushed that scene. Well, actually, I am you and you are me. <laughs> I grew up in Newport and started surfing at 11. And for some reason, Godforsaken reason that Newport's been kind of a weird nucleus, you know. There's Scummington Beach. Scummington. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> <laughs> you, or, We're in or, or now Bummington. That's what we called. I hate to see what you called Newport. Yeah. <laughs> we called them Scummington it? Beach. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Or home of the tweakers, but anyway. Um, but, you know, I grew up, uh, somebody gave my father a stolen surfboard, and so we'd take it down to the beach, and I'd trying to figure out the nose from the tail, and the, the skeg from the, the top, or the deck, and that was my heroin. I mean, <laughs> it's just... Bingo. Surfing yeah. is a hell of a drug. Oh, man. It is. Yeah. We talk it's about like that. It's like an addiction. Yeah. It just, it, it, you know, my daughter kind of got into it and kind of dabbled with it. But, man, there's some people, they do it. Once That's they it. start, it's like every day. Yeah. They got to get their fix every day. And, yeah. and it's one of those things that really stuck with me. Well, that's, that's I'm kind of one of those guys. That's why we... Do this do show. This. That's why we're in the industry. That's why we, you know, love what yeah, we do we're hooked. because we we're addicts are, too. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're addicts. But, so, eleven years old, somebody gave your dad a surfboard. Yeah, and I started at the River Jetty, and I migrated to Blackheath. And Blackheath was the scene back then. It, it was like the Wind and Sea Surf Club of Newport or Orange County. You know about the Wind and yeah. Sea Surf Club. Yeah. I you mean, you got like the parking lot at the beach, the vibe. And so we had the Newport Beach Surfing Association. And it just, there's Lenny Bell, Walter Visley, Davy Abbott, Lenny Foster, Paul Smith, uh, Evan Brown. It, it just fit the nucleus. And yeah. they're all the most unique surfers. And they all hung out at the Blackheath parking lot. Yeah. You know, this is like mid sixty. Yeah. And is it still all, longboarding? Like Yeah. Okay. This is before shortboard started. Shortboard revolution, yeah. And um, also what they had going on with the Newport Beach Volkswagen Association. Wow. Which they all had customized Volkswagen. Some of them they fill in the quarter quarter windows of the bug. Yeah. They had electric doors on them, so there was no door handles, and they're all lowered and yeah. stuff. So it was kind of like the Von Dutch hot rods say meet surf in a contemporary way. Because yeah. Von Dutch was more early, uh, late 50s, yeah. early 60s. And I'm sure he, he had a big influence on the surf kind of the hot rod, hot rod yeah. uh, surf culture. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Amazing that that era of, you know, the Volkswagen van and the Bugs and all of those cars were so iconic. And today they were still new, though, right? Like, oh, they were brand new. Yeah, it was but, contemporary. But, but back not the, the customized one. Not you the know, customized. now they're doing the the classic restoration. Yeah, yeah. But these sucker, you know, because this is the era. If you had a, a regular one, you were you weren't jack shit. Yeah. But if you customize it yeah. and lowered it, and yeah. Built in the quarter window then. With the, with the louvers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the louvers. The louvers where they no, kind of did the notches. No, there weren't so many louvers the... on them. That okay. They weren't into the louvers thing. Mm. Um, but Just and tricked out. My point here is I got, the, I got to grow up on this culture. And it was so inspiring. And, I, you know, I got to grow up with the most creative and colorful people. Yeah. And... I think that's when the seed was planted, when I was 11 years old. Yeah. Now, did you, you, you rode that board. Do you remember what it was? Was it a single fin? It was a Hobie. Wow. You know, this was like mid-60s. So it was a Hobie, and it was one of the first Hobies. They had a little silver tag right on the tail block, and it was a silver tag with the Hobie grip. Huh. You know? What's the Hobie's grip? It'd be interesting to know who came up with the Hobie grip. Because Keo kind of spun off it. You know Keo, the Australian brand? No. You know Keo. Yeah. But I think they kind of knocked out the Hobie logo. But the Hobie logo was classic. Yeah. You know, that script. Yeah. If somebody hand did that, it'd yeah. be interesting to know who did that. Yeah. Because we'll have to ask our, the people that we know at Hobie about that. Because they're pretty... It's being yeah. interesting. They, yeah. yeah. They, they kept good records and they're pretty historic. That and what's interesting is my dad was part of the drug culture, you know, so back because he come from the beatnik drug culture. He's a hippie and he or... Had, he had a friend that was connected with, which was Don Walton, which knew Terry Martin and everybody at Hobie. So he got me a discount on Hobie board. So Sick. I started getting Hobie boards after that, you know, Sick. brand new that, Hobie so board. When, when you say your father was connected to the drug culture, was he? Mythic art, you know, mythic art in Laguna Beach. Yeah. The, Mike McCurdy, uh, the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood yeah. Yeah. of Eternal Sunshine, is that what it is? Brotherhood of Eternal Sunshine, is that what it was called? Yeah, the Laguna Beach yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, in a way, we dabbled in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henson dabbled in it. Yeah. 
So, you know, the, and I have no regret having druggies for parents because they all were so cool, you know, yeah. and you get, and so, you know, the saga, I was very lucky because I got all the creative people, you know, whether they're doing drugs or not. Yeah. It, that wasn't they, 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 the they, point. They, they were just outside of the box. Yeah. Sixties yeah, and seventies, that's kind of the Well, sixties. Yeah. Sixties were the beginning of that. Yeah, the late sixties was the beginning of the whole mystic art thing. Yeah. Mystic art. Yeah. Well, we gotta Google yeah, that. I'll show you. Yeah. No no no. No. no, don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get back into that. We got later. the World Wide Web to fill us yeah. in on the details. But, well, but right. so were you like um, 11 years old? Was there any friends that you I, were? I'm working on a project for Volcom right now. Oh, you so are. He's working on a project for Volcom. Okay. He's, he's uh, rifling through some paperwork right now as we're uh, as we're trying to get him back into the microphone. Get back over here, Pimp. <laughs> he does have a computer, folks, but he is a, a paper person. They did a retrospective, retrospective of the whole movement at uh, Coastline. Orange Sunshine and the Saint. Mystic Artist. So that, oh, that's God. how the front, the front of the store was like the 24 7. Yeah, I With watched that. Uh, Krishna and hippies and there, everything hanging out in front of the place. There was a documentary on um, net, or I can't remember where I watched it, but I watched that documentary on this, on this topic. Yeah, these the guys. Art, art, art's world. Yeah, the documentary. It was sick. Yeah, so, there's the famous and then so they had, photo. Then yeah. they had the what? What was it? The Sunshine Festival. Yeah. In the canyon. Yeah. The um, the guy did when well, we had David Nueva on the podcast a yeah. while back. And David Nueva, I mean David Nueva and Mike Henson were kind of like the surf representatives yeah. to the whole thing with Mike McCurdy. Yeah, and, and then we had the and I guess uh, McKenna's and uh, Timothy Leary's yeah. all kind of like yeah Timothy Leary like was hanging out with them all the time. That's yeah. what I heard, but um, that's what I found out in the in the. Um, so it's a the brilliant period, period to grow up. Yeah. You know, because these guys were blowing down the walls. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that teenage years are so impressionable with music and art and, you know, that era of like, you're just sucking it in. You're looking at the, yeah. your idols, yeah. but you're like, I want to be like these guys. Yeah. It, well, it's just like with the best training pro program to grow up yeah. in. Yeah. You because know? you had, you know, the drug culture that was expanding your mind and you also had the arts that were you know giving you you know so much like you know inspiration and then the music scene was fucking you know revolutionary yeah, with the stones and janice joplin G and jimmy hendrix, hendrix Fudge. like that whole that whole era was just you know yeah and so kind of answer your question about the long longevity of being here for 50. You know, I, I checked out of the surf world for 25 years and moved to LA. Checked out, meaning like <laughs> stop surfing, stop shaping, or just kind of like not in, not doing business with like artistically just, in the surfing. Checked out, I just moved into moved a different to LA. world, you know. Yeah. And then the art world got Sterilized. Yeah. It turned into politically correctness. Yeah. And so, 
then I had a friend from Newport. He drug me back into this world. And so, Before and you we know what? I really love the surf family. Love it. You know? Yeah. It's just something You're about the You're part of the, the tribe. You'll never be out, you know. You'll never want to be out of the tribe. I mean, yeah. and you, you created the fucking tribe, bro. Yeah. So well, it's very easy to step back and, well, I was a little insecure for the first couple of years because 25 years is a long year. Yeah. I mean, and Channel Island and Lost kind of took over the world, you know. Yeah. And we come from a very colorful period, and now we're all talking about Formula race cars that are clear. Yeah. And most people have no business riding what the pros ride. Oh, no, for sure. It'd be like you trying to drive a Formula One race car. Yeah. You crash on the first turn. Yeah. It's so sensitive. <laughs> and you get all these fucking beginner surfers trying to ride these fucking things that the pros ride. Yeah. I, they I'm, have no business I'm riding I'm glad you said that because you want to... Let's, let's curb yeah. this. We need, to, we need to dive into the fucking childhood. We want to know more about you being introduced into surfing and your surfing experience. You're 11 years old, right? Now, was there a lot of friends that you were surfing with? Well, right. when I started surfing Blackies, when I migrated from the river jetty, because yeah. the river jetty, I started surfing in between the jetties. And back then, the wave reformed. It was a good place. To, it was like surfing Waikiki. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a good place to learn to surf. Yeah. And at the time, my mom and dad just got out of prison. They got busted for heroin and stealing a car and and uh, six-foot weed plants in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> They're diversifying. And so their parents uh, bought them a house in Santa Ana. So my dad took me down. I got addicted on it. And so every weekend we ride our bike from Miles Square's area from... Santa Ana yeah. with a surfboard cart to the river jetty. You know? Awesome. <laughs> Did you like have I say, we were addicted. You... It yeah. didn't matter. You know, what? It's yeah. like a two-hour bike ride yeah. with a surf carry. And then, anyway, we eventually um, moved back to Newport. My dad and my mom figured out they couldn't live together. It was too crazy. My dad uh, moved back to Newport. My dad's parents grew up in Newport. Uh, well, not grew up, but they had a place in Newport in the 30s. And um, Newport's kind of my home base. Yeah. In a way, you yeah. Know? yeah, that's where you spent your childhood, man, and, and that's where you got, you know, all your influence from. Yeah, and he put me to work in his body shop. He had a body shop on Old Newport Road. Your dad did? Helped, helped out serve it. Your dad did? Yeah. Wow, okay. And so that's where I learned my motor skills because I was sanding, macking cars and spraying primer. So that's where I learned my motor skills at six years old. Wow. So So your dad had a body shop? Yeah. That was his trade? Yeah, that was his trade. That's why he liked customizing cars and stuff. And okay. So you were hands-on. In the 50s. and. Early. Then it turned into a bit. If he comes out of prison, he got to do something. And so he just—he's really good. Yeah. He's a good teacher. He taught me all. 
how to make things straight, how to yeah. block sand, how to spray primer, and, and so stuff. so your dad was a drug dealer in the beginning. Well, he never dr- dealt drugs. Okay, he, he just got he, he did. He just did. <laughs> he liked drugs. That was. Did he have that business but his before? Buddy for all drug dealers. Yeah. Did he have that that car dealership or not dealership? Uh, the body shop yeah. before drugs or after drugs or during? After drugs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and still dabbling in drugs. Yeah. yeah. But no more heroin. Okay. He found out heroin's a weakness. That, I mean, is anybody in their right mind? They know better than yeah, to you use heroin because that. you're going to get addicted to yeah. it. I mean, we all know that. So yeah. Why why even try it? Right, yeah, right. That's because that's the goal. Don't too, try it. It's too good to be true. Too yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I like it. So that's what I learned from my dad, yeah. my mom. You never do heroin and you never do hard yeah. drugs. Yeah. You know? I like soft yeah, do, drugs. Do as yeah. I say, not soft, as I do. Soft drugs. <laughs> you know, like classic rock, like soft rock. <laughs> I like, I like that. to dabble. I don't want to worship. No, yeah, yeah. no. It's a, it's a, it's always, it's a treat, not a meal. So, you, your dad had a successful body shop. Yeah. And you were learning how to use your hands and like paint, and you were getting the, yeah. the mechanics of and like. And so fuck, you know, next step, you know, I, I had the hobbies, and I didn't like the fins. So, a friend of my dad taught me to take a machete, and you could take the plastic hobie fin and reshape them oh. by scraping technique, kind of like mach- a draw plane. With a yeah. machete? With a machete. Like, yeah, you're just, <laughs> you you're just peeling off little layers at a time. And so I was reshaping the fans. So the the skag of a surfboard, you would reshape? Yeah. Well, the Hobie back then had a removable fin okay. with a screw. Okay. You know, they had a, a, a red little plug on the toe with the, on the deck with a screw. Yeah. And you stuck the fin in. It, I think it's the first removable fin system okay. from Hobie. Yeah. Hobie. Hobie was just on it. Innovative. Hobie was king shit back Fuck then. Yeah, you know? yeah. So and the inventive. How, how did you yeah. like? Did you see somebody else with like a foil, different foiled fin? Who taught you how to like, you know, re, re you know, shape a fin. reshape a fin? Ah, good question. I think Henson started experimenting with. Don Henson? Rather than the no. full kind of half-moon oh. fan, is cutting them out for more high-performance fans and turning in short radiance, not yeah. being so much drag and yeah. stuff. Mm. The best of my memory, I think Henson had a big impact on that. Cool. You know who Mike Henson yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was part of that whole scene with the drugs and acid yeah, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but you he know, was endless summer. It, it, it was an interesting yeah. age because they got a solid foot in the longboard world, and all of a sudden, wham! Corky Carroll and Brad McCall hit with the mini model, and so, and then Evolution came out. So that was the transitional period when we went from logs to high performance board. Yeah, and so things started going boom, boom, boom. So Brad McCall. And Corky Carroll, they they kind of instigated the shortboard short revolution. Well, Corky Carroll first, and then Brad McCall was the Hobie rider, and so he started following. And Brad McCall kind of like masterminded the, the first twin fin. Wow. Shut up, really? Yeah. He was the one that. Yeah, he he, because Brad McCall was the frequent. Uh, you know who Brad McCall is? Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. He wasn't a big name like Park. We've Park heard his Carol, name quite a bit. Though. He was I mean, kind we of know a local 
they, local kid. There's footage of him in the and movie. And he's we'll friends with Rolf Arnett. And, yeah. And wasn't he in the movie at Five Summer Stories the other night? I think there was. He could have been, him, right? Yeah. 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 I left. I I came to just socialize. Yeah. At the beginning with you folks, and to see BK. Yeah. Because BK is he's he's out of this world. Yeah. And they and cut some footage of BK at Honolulu Bay out. I Brian, was kind of disappointed in because Brian, all I remember, I, the first time I saw that film was at the Laguna Beach Theater in 72 when they premiered <laughs> it, you know. And all I, can, all I can remember is BK. And they don't have this footage on, online because I've been looking for years just to watch his beautiful surfing at yeah. Honolulu Bay. You're talking this, Brian Cunt. Kanayapuni, right? Brian Kanayapuni? Yeah. Yeah, BK. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I never, I always wanted to get his he's name. He's just right. a natural. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I finally got to meet him when I joined his board riding club, the Quicksilver Board Riding Club in yeah. Haleiwa. And it just blew my mind. He's a little guy. Yeah. But him, on the, on the big screen, yeah. he's like a freaking, <laughs> yeah. he's huge. A, a huge him man. and Jeff Hackman yeah. are so tiny, yeah. they're like 5'4. But they look like gladiators. Yeah, they are gladiators. Because those waves are fucking 50 feet. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And it. who are the two masters of Sunset? BK and Hackman. Yeah. They mastered Sunset and their little guys. Okay, so going back to you. Newport. Newport surfing. Um, what uh, What was your next board after that? You, oh. got, you got Hobies? Well... Then my best friend was Lenny Foster, the Newport kid. Okay. And he was the hot thing in Newport by the beginning of, because the longboard scene started dropping off, the Ed Farwells, the Paul Smith, the, you know, they all kind of filled it out, got into drugs or whatever. And so Lenny and Foster and I was best friends and he, he started writing for Russell. Russell. So Russell was the place we went to after school. And we hung that out a at the shop. surf shop. You yeah. Know? And so Russell was king shit in Newport then. Yeah. And now were you pretty good at this time? Like you started, you were a good surfer? Decent. decent. I'm not a Lenny Foster, you okay. know. And I knew my shit, but. I'm not a rock star surfer. Yeah, <laughs> but you're in the scene. You're you're part we're, of the part of the crew. Yeah, we're part of the crew. We're yeah. a scene. We're going to uh, at this time. You know, we went, we're in high school, and um, half the crew uh, select surf shop moved into Newport. Select surf shop. Yeah, you know where the. Chevron Station is mm -hmm. right at the beginning, yep. across the street from the Lido. Lido, yeah. Uh, the, the, I don't know if it's still there. I can't remember. There was the thirty-one Back and Robbins. Yeah. Is it I don't still think there? it's enough it's still there anymore. I don't know. Okay. So yeah. there's Back and Robin, which is very convenient because yeah. after school, we after Russell, we started hanging out to select because Billy Bear. I mean, one of my idols. 
and in Newport with Scott Price. Scott Price. You ever hear of Scott Price? No. He was he was kind of like the George Greeno of Newport. Knee border? Knee no. border? No. No. Okay. He stand up. Very good surfer. Yeah. Top notch. But he, he was like. He was most known for his water photography. Okay. He built his own water housing, started doing tube shots. Scott uh, Price. And, and what year was this? Like late 60s, early 70s? Late 60s. Holy crap. And he is just the most unique surfer, way different. It, you know, it's kind of like be comparing Mike Richard to Kelly Slater. I mean, Mark Richard had his unique style, you know. The wounded Kelly, skull. Kelly Stater, Kelly has his unique style, and he's won a Levian title. He's the best surfer ever will live, probably. I can't imagine. MR had four titles. He has 11 titles. But Kelly is just as interesting as his own thing. But Mark with the wounded goal, he was a little off-beaten, which was kind of unique for him to win four turtle, four, four titles yeah. for being the one that went with such an unusual style. Unusual style. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think he was, he had a thing with the waves and the weather. Uh, he was a master of comp competition, obviously winning four. Obviously, but he yeah. had to, but he had but his off-beat yeah. for, for well, mainstream. He, he, he also kind of and he invented the twin fin. Exactly. Reinvented yeah. the twin yeah. fin. Yeah. You know, he graduated with Brewer and Reno, and then he studied uh, branching a song. What if I combine, you know, like a modern board uh, and a twin fin and a fish? Because the fish, the fish ruined Nueva. You surf flat and you got a big white dance yeah. and stuff. So, <laughs> He took all that history and modified it and came up with something that shifted the whole surf world. Wow. I've never thought of that. Because why there's a, a, like a, almost like a kneeboard fish, like a, right. you know, which, really... Which what Nuevas... He reinvented. And because then, after Mark Richard invent, uh, reinvented the twin fin with the narrower tail with the wing and put the V in it, he showed that you could have a twin fin. You could have to benefit the speed and the responsiveness but of a twin length. fin um, without the flat limitations yeah. of, that Steve Liz had on, her, on his kneeboard. Yeah. And with the kneeboard fat, it's fine. But surfing, you want to get up on his head. You yeah. watch anybody watching the, riding a fish right now, you see it, they want to do a roundhouse, they have the flat flop section. Yeah. It doesn't do what Mark Richards said. Yeah. So and then Simon came along because he's a big kind of slower, dopier guy. He put the trifin in it so he could adapt to it. You know? That was I mean that and era it changed the fucking world. I know. So he put the training I mean I mean Simon Anderson it he's just a little slower and yeah. He put it together, so that's why the twin fan and the tri-fan exist nowadays. Yeah. And it really hasn't changed that much. No. Al Merrick came in, put the concave in. That was the biggest breakthrough. I mean, people back then so thought concave didn't fit the wave. Uh. But then 
Al Merrick, I don't know what, and believe me, Al Merrick was the worst fucking shaper ever. <laughs> Channel Island was the worst fucking board in the 70s. And he it's figured something out. But he got Tom Carroll, I mean, not Tom, Tom Kern, and somehow he between the both of them, they invented the concave bottom. And the hole, you got right? the straight walker for speed in the center, and you got the curvy uh, rocker on the rails, and that was the next big step in invention. Yeah. But Tom Kearns and... Uh, Al Merrick. I mean, that dynamic wow. duo changed... That's like a modern. history lesson, that, people. Like, <laughs> for sure. And I, so I, there really hasn't been too much invention yeah. since then. Little little tweak with the fins and the yeah. foil and those, yeah, you know, so the foil, you know, like little things, little subtleties. But yeah. so going back to you, you're growing up. You're you're at Select Surf Shop, and we'd always go and I get I get my uh, pistachio and strawberry ice cream cone, and we'd all drip them all over the floor. <laughs> and our other friend was was kind of a Scott Price protege with Billy Bear, and so. He was the team writer for Surfboard Hawaii, which with Lenny Foster was. And then he, when Select came in, he he was the Skip Fry protege. Mm -hmm. And Select's premier board was Gordon and Smith. So Skip Fry was the most unique surfer back then. Yeah. So he went over to them. And so thing kind of shifted again, you know? They so, shifted from longboard to skip fry, uh, fried egg. Fishes, right? Are they fishes? No. The, the skip no. fry boards? He wasn't doing fishes back then. What kind of shapes were those? Sing, single fin. Single but fin. wider, shorter, and more eggier. Okay. Everybody is kind of into minigun, yeah. which is kind of interesting because now Skip Fry is like riding minigun gliders, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but back in that era, this was the early 70s, he was basically, in, we, they were dubbed the fried egg. Okay. He was the master of the egg, the wider yeah. board. Yeah. When Brewer was invented the minigun, Fry stuck to the fried egg. It, it seems like each one of those shapers is kind of found their niche, you know, and said, or tried to own like their shape, like yeah. whether it's the egg or the minigun or the twin, like, you know, you, no. nobody wanted to copy somebody else, but they yeah. did. You know, everybody copies everybody, but you wanted yeah. to have well, your own look. Well, more people either copy, um, you know, and, and evolution came out right about now, too. Are you so, talking Wayne Lynch? Yeah. Is that Wayne Lynch? Evolution? Yeah. Okay. So, so we got, That's one of your biggest got, inspirations. We got the Australians experimenting with the V-bottom and Wayne Lynch on his wide tail kind of pulled in nose boards, you yeah. know, so everything... Shifting the volume back instead of in front of your front foot, they started moving it towards yeah. the, so, the back And foot. plus, all being harbor, everybody went out of business. It became an era of backyard building. Interesting. From the early 70s, the black wetsuit, beaver tail, and backyard building. Counterculture so, style. So all the the color, big, the all the big names died because mm -hmm. they didn't make the transition. And I have a feeling the same thing is happening right now mm. because I think the firewires and the channel, what they're all trying to get into the mid length thing, but yeah. the mullocks 
and daydream 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 what the new york store saturdays pilgrim oh pilgrim. pilgrim so i think that the new movement of backyard builders going on and it's been going on for like eight ten years now yeah, yeah. and i think the mainstream builders the loss and the channel islands and the fire liars are feeling <laughs> threatened by it you know yeah. and i feel this you know how things work in a cycle in life yeah, yeah. so i know i get off the topic no it's fine we love you we love this, something the history and your perspective and and i mean we we I'm like a history book. Yeah, you are. And, and, and we talk about how we grew up as kids and, you you know, we only had like one board. In my era, it was like, yeah, your standard high-performance short board. But if you were to go into any of our garages now, and we have the mid-length, we have the twin, we have the, you know, yeah. the retro twin, we have a short board, we have, you know, you... The quiver. You have a quiver. Yeah. yeah. And they're all different. Not me. Yeah. I only have ride one bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so going back to you hanging at that surf shop... Uh, you're starting to ride shorter boards. Yeah. And, and so, you said Wayne Lynch uh, came on the scene and that was like... Yeah. And so then... He's a goofy after, footer. He's a goofy footer, Wayne Lynch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you have to admit he's a little gay. <laughs> he's a little unique, you know. Yeah. So what... Explain to us... You know, and my... Nat Young was on Midget Farley. Everybody was out on their last leg. Last leg of I mean, they all come from the um, longboard era. But Wayne Lynch was a little, the fresh. Let me know if she bothers you. Um, he was the youngest and the freshest of the bunch, you know? Yeah. Nat Young started getting into drugs. And in fact, when I lived on Maui, the guy was surfing so horrible. And it's out of his mind. It's before the leash, it loses his big board and it's like, fuck shit, walking on the fucking crawl to his board, the whole shit, just out of his fucking mind. He was such a fucking kook in, in the early 70s. Not young. Yeah. Wow. You know. So he. Drugs he, are bad, you hear that, you yeah, guys? Drugs are bad. We all have our moments. The <laughs> drugs get the best of us yeah. sometimes. Okay, so Wayne Lynch came on the scene and not at back you know yeah yeah so what kind of and boards a, what kind of boards was Wayne Lynch riding the evolution you're talking about like what well, was that a single fin a few ev evolution I mean in the evolution movie I would estimate he's you know because the long board was average like nine foot to nine six that's what we were riding you know and then he probably trimmed it down to like eight six, and what fattened up the tail, um, made kind of a more modern rocker, more kick, and straightened out the the belly a little bit. And God, there's nothing more beautiful than Wayne Lynch backhand surfing. Yeah, know? and but. As it evolved, you know, if you watch the later films of him, he started playing around with reverse foil. It's just making an S deck, big flipping the nose and narrowing the nose down really narrow with a big fat tail. Yeah. 
don't. Yeah, it's. I find it. I never really thought about it, but when did the noses start getting more narrow, and why? It's probably like around seventy-four, huh. because Velzi actually came up with the concept. Dale Velzi. Yeah. Okay. And with I didn't the, realize it was that young. Hot, hot dog early, model in around fifty-four. He narrowed the nose and brought the hip back, a really curvy hip and a fat tail, and it made a pivot point. And Jeff McCoy and Shane Horan took it um, to the next level. Yeah. Mitchell Farley dabbled with it, the narrow nose and the white tail. You know? Yeah, we're talking laser zap, right? Yeah. yeah. Laser zap. Yeah. yeah. Teardrop. It's, Teardrop. It's standing in one place rather than turning and shifting your weight up. You stay in the same fucking place and you do everything. Yeah. You have this pivot point right at the tail. Yeah. But that was before they even brought back the like the, the hip and the and the break in the tail. It was just a big egg in the tail. Yeah, it's the complete opposite yeah. of Brewer's minigun. Mm. Wow. You know. With the minigun, it's kinda like what we were talking about earlier, is the Formula Race car. The pros can ride, can ride these yeah. second things. Al Chapman, Jeff Hackman, and and Barry, we're riding sunset. Yeah, you had plenty of speed. Yeah, you you needed a board that you could control. And then, you know, it went mainstream. People in California had no business riding a fucking minigun because we're not riding sunset. Yeah, you have the generator speed. Not not we're not so. The general public, you know, that's business. Yeah, marketing, it's business. I think I got the name wrong now that you mentioned it again. It's Barry Kanaipuni, right? Yeah, not Barry, Barry Kanaipuni. Yeah. Did I say Brian earlier? I think I said Brian, but yeah. If it's in Barry. the middle of the film. Yeah. Surfing Honolulu Bay. Yeah. Weird fucking style. He, had, he was surfing in the minigun, kind of like Shane Horan. He was doing like these weird pivots in the middle of the way very unique yeah. style when I when we were watching and that's why I wanted to see that film it was yeah. worth driving down from here to Laguna yeah. to see the, Barry the search. It, it was a trip no the uh, five summer stories mm -hmm. it was crazy to watch how high performance those guys were surfing you know with yeah. fucking single fins and Jerry yeah. Lopez you know yeah. the, the bottom turn cat, and cat they're doing they're doing the off the yeah. lips you know on these uh, you know, on yeah. these waves, on single fins, and I'm like, how the fuck were they doing that? You know, like, because those boards were so limited, you know, limited. I know, but... Well, I, we were watching, you know, I brought up, we watched also Tom Kern's Search, you know, the 25-year yeah. anniversary or 20, I don't know, but he was riding kind of like those those sunset guns in real ways, but it had the thruster, had the modern rocker, and, and his footwork of where he had to you know, jump up mid-board, pumping and in the barrel and then step back. Like, it was like a crazy amount of footwork yeah. where it wasn't set in, in but, place. You know, there's only a handful of Aki, Tom Kern, oh, yeah. in the world. <laughs> Mike Richards, <laughs> in history. Slater, Slater. Yeah. 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 Okay, so <laughs> go. only a handful of those inventors that Fucking actually changed the world. Tanked. And I really like to know more details uh, because 
Al Merrick was such a bad board maker. What was that transition with Kern? Was it Kern or Al Merrick or just the teamwork of both of them? It'd be interesting to know yeah. that story of finding out that concave rocker. Yeah. Because that really was a big, I mean, Momentum. now it's across the, I even use it, you yeah. know? Yeah. That concave is brilliant. Brilliant. Let's go back to Pimp. So you're, you're in go high school. Go back to where? To Pimp. To you. I went yeah. to Fort, Shroff. 14, shaping your own board. Like, let's talk yeah, about, so, like, so. So I stripped down an old board on, took the kitchen table out to the patio, back patio, and, you know, just kind of shaped a minigun because that's what was in right now. This is probably 1972 or something. So you and took a long board and took off the... No, it was... I actually... I had a hand-me-down from Lenny Foster, the Newport kid, and I beat the shit out of it. Kind of... Kind of lost it at Honolulu Bay before the surf leash and the cave. Whoa! Wait. It. So you went on a surf trip to Maui? Well, my dad drug buddies were over there. Okay. So he'd go over to visit them. So they'd take me on a tour, you know. So and you got to go to to Maui or on surf trips at a young age. Yeah, yeah. I got my driver's license on Maui at fourteen. <laughs> because you, you get That's a driver's why. license at fourteen, so I came back here. And have my driver's license. I at could drive 14? at fourteen. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So, like I said, I had colorful uh, people from my dad' life in the surfing world yeah. to kind of inspire me. Yeah. And so, trip down this board. Glaster work like shit, you know, it's kind of a throwaway, so but it's kind of a learning. You stripped it down and what, reshaped it to a, a, a minigun? Another minigun from yeah. it, because, you know, the nose was broken off of it. I think it was 7-2, and I shaped it down to a 6-8. Worked like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pinholes in it. Were you, asking, water. It's kind were of you a, asking shapers and glassers, like, what to do, or you just I just did shaped it. it and glassed it back with the kitchen table on the back patio. Have, yeah. you, have you been into like a, a shaper's room prior and watched them work aboard? Like, no. No, so you're no. kind of just figuring it out. We just No mentorship, no watching. And then kind of fast forward a couple of years as we're in high school now and we're out surfing. And, and uh, a few of us started making boards for everybody in school. Hmm. So that's kind of how it all started, you know. Now, were you living in Newport and going to yeah. high school in Newport? Yeah, I mean, by this time, we were living on 45th Street. We took the living room. My dad let me build a wall in the living room, so that was the glass shop. Um, <laughs> living room. And the, the service room with the large arch and dryer, that was the shaping room and the sanding room. <laughs> so, wait. In You're your in high school. You're living with your dad on 44th Street. 45th. 45th Street in Newport. Yeah. And what are you, 16, 15, 16, 17? You're already driving. We know that. Yeah, this is probably 
you know, 14 or something. And you're starting to shape. You're starting to shape. You're like, yeah, I didn't shape very well. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but I wrote the boards and they worked for me. I knew what I liked. And, and, and so, you, you know, you figure get to it practice out. it. You trial and error and then you start to build a team and the following of your high school buddies and one thing kind of leads to another. Did you, did you name, like create a brand? Did you create yeah, a brand? Yeah, the first one was called Underdog. Underdog. <laughs> That's great. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Did you use so, the Underdog? And I, I would paint this little uh, logo, as you know, Underdog the yeah. cartoon. Yeah. With a little cape on yeah. it and a bright Underdog with a paintbrush on each one. <laughs> Dude, that'd be successful today. Dude, I love it. Yeah. And then I did this, this board that kind of like shifted everything. I did this, this board custom order for a high school buddy. <laughs> Good picture. <laughs> and uh, his name was Woody. And he was a high school buddy. And we're all, we're all swept away by Australia. You know. They're taking, they're like taking. Evolution and yeah. Paul Witt's film just kind of transformed us. So we're all experimenting with the wider tail A gear board. Yeah. You know, when everybody else is riding the minigun. So then, and Mark Price is doing that also. So we're kind of like a family. Mark Price or Steve no, Price? No, Scott Super? Price. Scott Price, okay. Yeah. Look up Scott Price. He's one of the best surfers in Newport. Okay. And like I say, he's most famous now for his water photography, shooting into this. He shot a lot of um, Emerald Bay. Mm. You know, the tube came off there with the sunlight coming, getting the tube with the water housing. Yeah. He, he did it way before uh, some of the people that are kind of doing modern versions of it. But brilliant fucking surfboard. And he started making it board. Okay. Own board. So you started shaping, making boards for friends. Yeah, the and then I did this board for Woody. And Woody what? Sorry. Woody, what's his name? Woody what? I can't remember his last name. Woody Schultz. He ripped. He went, no, he went, He was kind of a coot. But he was <laughs> part of what I say. But he wanted to get this, this kind of a Australian egg. So I did this egg for him, and I still remember it. It's a blue layup. And, uh, because the board looked so cool, I I ink drawed on rice paper the Keo logo. The what? The Australian brand Keo. Okay. You know Keo? No. Bob McNavy. Uh uh I know Bob McNavy. K E Y O. Oh yeah yeah Keo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I I I put an ink to, on the rice paper and I put it on the nose, just kind of where Keo puts it, you know. And that's when the business went crazy. So wait, you stole the name Keo? No, I didn't steal it. I was mocking it. <laughs> Doing a variation of it. And I never used it again, but it was just, the board was just trying for it because it was kind of a, a Keo shape. Yeah. You know? And then I just got really popular. Everybody loved that board. And so that was kind of like the beginning of me you're halfway the there if the board looks really good and, yeah. and it's got the spray and the color <laughs> and if it works then you got a home run so was yeah. the keo bob mccavish keo boards was that like 
the popular trendy board well, that was at the, the time. To us it was, not yeah. the mainstream, right. but we just looked up to Metavish, you know. Yeah. Metavish was like a guru shaping. Yeah. Um, so Australian was heavily influenced. the brewer influenced thing was kind of winding down, you know, with the minigun. Yeah. And uh, that was an evolution of kind of the synergy with this to experiment with different shapes. Yeah. We had Skip Fry behind us riding a wider shape, and we had um, Metavish doing it, Wayne Lynch riding him, and Nat Young experimenting with the V-bottom at, yeah. at Honolulu and Sunset and Haleiwa. So you started making boards for your friends. You made this board for Woody. Did you, Underdog. And you created under Underdog. How much were you charging people, like? Fuck. <laughs> it was just fun making them. Yeah. yeah. But were you, were you I, I, can't even, I can't even remember. Just, were you aspiring to be a, a, a legitimate shaper yet? Or was that like a thing? No, that, you wouldn't even think about that. You just you wanted know? to it surf just, better and just, shape your own board. It just was a desire to do yeah. it, you know? There wasn't but, this idea of making a ton of it, money, but it's a cool fact. Not career-oriented. I'm not a career-oriented type of person. <laughs> it just... It's just kind of well, like you wake up. That's our worst fault right there. <laughs> it's kind of like a cat. Wakes up in the morning. Do you think it knows it's going to walk over there or walk over there? I mean, you watch a cat, you have her, she kind of predictable, well, kind of unpredictable. Techno? Group. But, yeah, not a, a career-oriented person. But you were stoked on shaping boards for your friends. Yeah. And this board that you put Keo logo on it. It well, kinda, just one. Yeah, it kind of made. <laughs> but that was kind of everybody. The it was so How did you get sexy. That board? The board was so sexy. It just won everybody's heart in high school, and okay. so I started getting orders and okay. stuff, you know. And so then, about mid seventy, techno. She oh, <laughs> likes it. Yeah, it's fine. Good girl. I like. He smells fine. Uh, that's why. It's fine. I, I, about. Cheetah design. Say it again. Cheetah. Cheetah. Because my mom attended the cheetah, and at the foot of the POP pier mm -hmm. in Venice, and so I was always attracted by hanging out at the cheetah in front of the cheetah with her. You know, and the cheetahs where Jim Morrison performed and everything out. It was okay. like the happening thing in L.A. That was a uh, club in L.A. In, in the thick the, ch the cheetah room. Yeah. The, but the. The cheetah the at cheetah. the foot of the, you know, and this was before the whole Dogtown thing. Yeah. Uh, hit and it was that, you know, and there's the whole mystic about Venice. That's what attracted me to to move to Venice in like '87. And plus, you had elbow room and the, a pretty diverse neighborhood. Yeah. Was it so? Uh, yeah. It's it's changed a lot, but there's there's. There's still a lot of underground, like, history there, you know? Yeah. A lot of my, like, what did, what did you call when moving down our, like... Well, it's kind of where all the artists went yeah. uh, in L.A. because it was affordable, because it was gang-ridden, it was nothing but Mexicans and black. And so, you know, for the Laddie John Dills, uh, Robert Irwin, the, uh, Ed Richet, they all got studios there because they were affordable. Yeah back then and so 
yeah, Venice was kind of the nucleus in uh, the 50s and 60s yeah. for but the art community. And then Docktown came out of it, you know, mm -hmm. with Tony Alva Jay Adams, yeah. and uh, Craig Desick and, and Jeff Holt. Mm -hmm. But, and okay. And then Back Pablo Parada came in to the picture, and so, you know, that history. Yeah. So going back to Shroff in Newport, that board with the Keel logo on it, it exploded. It exploded for you. And yeah. you got more and more orders. Yeah. So You're still in high school. Cheetah design. It, and so then, you named it Cheetah now. No, it was just a. Yeah, and so then I came up. I came up with drawing the logo um, at the Savons and Thrifty Drugstore. They they sold this uh, tissue paper that was like rainbow colored. So I draw each logo up, and I came up with the Starman. Starman. Starman logo. It looks like you've probably seen it. He's, he's gonna go get us the the Starman logo. So what what are you in? You're still in high school at this time period. Am I what? Are you still in high school like during this time period? Um, no, I'm getting out of high school. Okay. Did you finish high school? Maybe. By, by forging enough notes to go surfing, yes. <laughs> so you did finish high school? I finished high school. Wow. That's <laughs> impressive. We, we in school, kid. <laughs> He's yeah, showing us a Starman logo. He's going to draw. I don't know how I made it through high school, but... So, I always had an Indian ink pen, and I would draw on this thing. And so the star man was like this. I can't believe I can remember this after all these years. He's here drawing us the star man. Epic. So this is a new icon for you, a, a new logo? Yeah, this is. Uh, Everyone with the uh, hand-drawn logo. So, you, you mentioned you were talking about cheetah. That mm -hmm. was that was kind of the place where people. So that that was kind of the logo. It's a diamond. So amazing. And then it was, I cut it, each one out. I draw it and I cut it out with scissors, you know, and I cut it out just. A yeah. little bit yeah. outside of the outline. So that was the logo for a couple of years. On rainbow paper. And then McCoy came into town. So this is Jeff kind McCoy. of like, um, all this happened very quick from like 72 to 74, 75. Yeah. And so. He's Australian too, right? Yeah. Okay. So. I, I make the decision to drop everything and go to work and train with, with Jeff McCoy and oh. Greg Pouch. Greg Pouch and Jeff McCoy. And, so, and at the time I'm selling, I'm doing kind of production all in the back here. I'm on Walnut Street in Costa Mesa and I have a full surfboard 
factory in the back backyard doing uh, 15 boards a week. Wait, backtrack. So wait, whose boards? Your own. And doing the cheetah Starman. design. Starman, the cheetah designs. In in the backyard of a Costa Mesa place where I'm living. 15 a week. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. In where, the backyard. Where yeah. were you? Where were and you I built a soundproof shaping room. I have a technique for shaping room. It, you build the room. You put the drywall horizontal. You fill it up with foam dust. Oh, that's soundproofing. And you put one up, the next layer up. You have a little space at the top. You fill it up with foam dust. You make a door. You fill it with foam dust. You drive out the top, you put foam dust on the roof, and then put the roof off panels on. You can stand outside that door and you don't have to live here. The so you can put a shaving room anywhere. So I could do it in the residential area with the so, painter. Wow. We're, we're, we, we went pretty quickly straight into you having your own fucking factory. Right? You, all of a sudden you have your own factory. Yeah, and yeah. I hire all my friends. You know, we have a sander. I'm doing all the shaping. Is this after high school? Yeah. Yeah. After high school. Yeah, okay. I'm just out of, out, of the, out of high the, school. The living room. So where did you get the money to do this? Well, it's just board by board, you know. It's just like any business. It grows and, you know, you Pretty reinvest good. it and yeah. you grow. And, you know, by that time, I, I figured out my head from my ass. I know how to laminate. I know how to pin line. And back then, we were doing five pin lines and a quarter inch, you know. And because I had the motor skills from working in my dad's shop, it was very easy for me to, like, learn. Yeah. And so I became very good at it, you know. Did, did you go to, did you work for any other surfboard factories? No, he just, uh, got, he just I, got to it right I, now. I, Russell needed me to come in at the Brotherhood in Huntington Beach. Or coming to me. Whoa. <laughs> they needed a sander because the sander didn't show up. <laughs> they brought me in, and you know, I probably like 15 or something. Yeah. To sand one day. <laughs> I up. butchered all the sand jobs <laughs> so bad they never brought me back. <laughs> sand tears all over. <laughs> on purpose or on accident? <laughs> and that was the last, that's the only person I place I worked for one day. <laughs> Did you do it on purpose or on accident? No, fuck, I was doing the best, I was trying to impress them, are you yeah. kidding me? But, fuck, I never sanded before. Yeah. How? <laughs> and Lenny Foster, they were in a bind, so, and I, Russell is such a great guy. I, we're, I mean, I met in Houston, Sam, you know, I met, you know, just, Growing up in Newport in those days, you made, met everybody in high school and you met everybody and so, yeah. and that's kind of why it turned, when I left and came back 25 years later and I saw what was going on and everybody, these companies like Channel Island and Lost and, uh, and horse shit. <laughs> You know horseshit. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. I know, I know it is. But wait, let's, let's. That, no, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's why I became 
protective of my surf family. Yeah. I came back 25 years and I see this Asian pop-out invasion and they're getting boards in here for 150 bucks. Like, hey, we can't build a board for under 250 or 300, you know? And so that, that was my, because I have a relationship to the surf family and so yeah. much history, that's when the chainsaw came out. Yeah. At the protest, yeah. you know, to protect the family here. Okay, let's go back though. Wait, yeah, you're you're doing 15 boards, and yeah. you have your own factory. You're doing about Cheetah 15 Star a week. Man. Cheetah Starman, and then you got Greg Pouch, and who else that kind of took you under the wing? Jeff McCoy. Okay, so Jeff McCoy. Anyway, I, I was selling at the boards at a Hannafin, and I built a relationship. You ever hear of Hannafin? Yeah, that was surf time okay. before surf time, right? So I go back to Hannafin, and I say, hey. I'm gonna go work for McCoy. I just want to learn from him. I'm gonna study with him and stuff. And he flips out because you know he's banking on me to do sports for. Yeah. Are you the house shaper? What? You're the house shaper. Like you're shaping yeah. under their labels. I, I'm like, you know, Helping we work. Them. We work together. He, you know, we have years earlier. Uh, when I had the driver's license at 14, he would send me out to the Orange County flea market to sell skateboard wheels. Oh, so you, you were know, doing side hustles I, all I'd the way. I'd 500 bucks take home going out on the weekend to do that. But, you know, I had to wake up at four in the morning, get a spot Shut and up. the whole shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is all fucking this cool. Is, so we, Hannafin and I had a, a long history. So, and so he, he just flipped out and I go, he goes, what can I do to keep you on and not do this? And I said, all right, I don't want to run the factory anymore. So we get to send the boards out. I want 50 bucks a board. Wow, you negotiating. Know? And so then, and uh, I, how old I, are you? I want to put, I want to put the name on it. How you old know? are you then? You Probably after, 18. Okay. So fucking so, young. So 18, they know you're producing a lot of boards. They want to kind of help you help them situation. And you say, I want to... Maybe 20. Yeah. Well, let me see. So this was like mid-70. I was born in 54. So... A little over 20. So 20. Yeah, around 20. Yeah. You know. So it, Hannafin was a successful shop, right? Yeah. And, and he that was, was competing with Houston's them. Yeah. You know. With which was, had the Monopoly on the Rip Curl mm -hmm. and the McCoys mm -hmm. and the Quicksilver. So Hannafin had to figure out how to outfox him. Yeah. So And the, was he making those skateboard wheels too? No. No. Just buying them and selling them. Just buying and selling them. Okay. I mean I mean Hannafin was with a smart businessman, yeah. just like his and Stan was. And so yeah. they they're at each other's throat. Yeah. It was just like the beginning of surfing sport. Yeah. Which kind of crippled the world, a <laughs> surf world, you know? Yeah. And what's interesting, you know, is when I found out Hughes and Stan was in the audience the other night, yeah. I had to go over and shake his hand. I didn't know he's still alive. Neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> he looked really good, though. He looks I good, was, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised, you know. Yeah, get him on. He aged well. Yeah. Um, so you're the house shaper 
for Hannafin. No, I said the agreement is I'm going to put my own. I'm going to put trough on him. So that was the beginning of trough. Okay. So I got fifty bucks aboard. We got to send them out to a glass shop. Yeah. You know, and I got to give up the factory in the backyard. Yeah. And so. So excuse me. When you had the factory in the backyard, was it just your boards? Yeah. No, nobody else's. Fifteen. No, no. Fifteen boards a week. Yeah, that's our your board. own board. It's pretty successful, right? I know it was a fucking production. Yeah. And back then, you know, all my friends, you know, were partiers. So I, sometimes I had to go yank them out of bed, you know. Yeah. To, hey, we got boards to set. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the easiest thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I trained everybody myself, you know, so wow. is sometimes people would be crying, you know, they'd, they'd fuck up and I'm, I'm putting the pressure on them, we got to get the board. Yeah, and, you, know. you want this lifestyle, you want to be able to party and have fun, this is the only job that's yeah. going to freaking take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, like, entrepreneurial that is? You know, well, you were I didn't such look an, at it then. It I know, but it fucking was. You were an entrepreneur, not knowing you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, like yeah. you're a businessman at fucking 16, 17 years old. You're driving to swap meets and selling skateboard wheels at fourteen <laughs> years old. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, like my daughter is fourteen years old. There's still way she's driving, you don't, let you alone. Don't expect that ever. <laughs> well. It helps when you have parents that are junkies that are not there. You know, because you. If you grow up on the street, you learn quicker. Yeah. You yeah. know? And that's the beauty of living up on the street. If yeah. You, if you're pampered and babies, you're then lazy. you kind of spoil brat. Yeah. But I, I love growing up on the street. And yeah. That, you know, that's probably why I can go out and face gang members and, and take a, a beating. Yeah. I mean, if you were protected, you probably wouldn't be able to. No. have the nerve to do that yeah they would have ran most people out of their hood and you took the the, the gang beating yeah. and, and said i'm staying yeah Let's so sorry side okay yeah. back to you yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're you made a deal with hannafin to label your yeah. board and then i name. had to go back Shroff, and tell jeff and greg jeff and sorry boys oh fuck and they were so pissed yeah fuck so but you're in kind of a pinnacle you yeah know? it uh, Jeff McCoy is Australian and Greg Pouch is American? Yeah. Okay. Because the Australian move came. That's a whole other story. We want to get to it. That's fine. We can yeah. do this another time. Yeah. Yeah. This, so this the, could be You know about episodes. the Australian movement when yeah. Rip Curl and Quicksilver and yeah. McCoy. Yeah. And McCoy had all the best. Mark Warren, Bruce Raymond, and they're riding the another wide board thing and everybody it was kind of transition period from Sam Hawk and Dick Brewer um, which was kind of a stepping stone for Mark Richard is everything went from the minigun to Jeff McCoy had every rock star in the world riding these little wide thick boards yeah. in North Shore yeah. and fucking like tearing it apart yeah It'd be interesting to to like, you know, who who were the guys riding his boards? Like Jeff Mark, McCoy, Mark Warren, okay, Bruce Freeman, Shane Horan. Yeah, Shane uh, Horan was like the only guy that I ever really 
Yeah, but they all were on fire. And and Jeff McCoy had them all at his fingertips. Everybody groveling. And that's how he broke into the Newport market. And, you know, he was in Australia, so he found Greg Pout to kind of run and manage the business and do the shaping. This is before shaping machines, you know. Yeah, way before. So, so Pouch was a Newport guy? I never heard of him before. Yeah. He came out of nowhere, okay. you know. I don't know who he was. Yeah. But obviously, he was a Newport guy. Yeah, because... But nobody ever heard of him, but somehow him and McCoy hooked up, and he was the... Uh, Greg Pouch became his uh, Newport... Uh, liaison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so back to you and Hannafin. You, you, you were going to get fifty bucks a board. You didn't have to have the your own factory. Factory. Yeah. And then and I got my own name, so I started to yeah. establish the Shroff brand. Yeah. Which is a amazing name. For well, surfboard. not really. I, th- I bro, it's it's, but it's, it's insane. insane. Shroff. It's catchy but this and is, it's but this is strong. The trend. In old days, you know, because oh, there's a period where I called him Daydream, which is kind of ironic with the Daydream. You're kidding me. Well, Alex brought up a board here that he really loved. He wrote it at sunset. He wanted me to remake it. Alex, and he had the Daydream Alex logo. Alex Nost. On. Alex what? Nost. Yeah. Okay. You want to see the board? Later. Okay. <laughs> it had the Starman logo on it, and it says uh. Daydream. So while. You know, you kind of when you're a teenager, you're kind of experimenting with doing. names and yeah, things. Yeah, what sounds you know? good? What's and catchy? After all the experimenting, you know, it, the trend was, you know, everybody Har- Rich Harbor and Bing Copeland. You all put your yeah, your, put last your last name, name on the board. Yeah. So I figured, okay, I guess that's the thing to do. You yeah, know? And I'm kind of embarrassed about it. I would rather stuck with Daydream or Underdog or something. But yeah. anyway. Once you get that investment, you stick with the name. Yeah. Good so, name to stick with. So, no then, then, um, Hannafin sold the business to somebody from, I don't know, Missouri or something, some businessman. We bumped head. You know, and he, he drove my, we were doing like, by that time, we're probably doing 30 to 50 boards a week. Wow, that's huge. Um, and um, he drove the business down to nothing. So, I had a drug dealer friend. <laughs> he wanted to, and he he wanted give you a personal loan. I think he wanted to, the front. He wanted to open the. He needed a surf, yeah. a surf shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he needed to move money around. <laughs> he needed to diversify and his so, portfolio. And his brother was an attorney, so oh gosh. And so I dropped the new playbook. They sued me, but I had the attorney. He hassled it, and they finally dropped the case and stuff. And so that's when I opened the first shop in, in Newport. Yeah, and on then, the Blackie side, right? What? In front of Blackies. Uh, the first one was on 22nd Street. Okay. And then things got a little too sketchy, you know. He's like a blow dealer and stuff, you know. 
blow dealers are really sketchy. Yeah. And so, fuck, I had to get out of that thing. So <laughs> I gave him my car and I said, I'll give you everything I have, but I want out of this deal. Smart. Yeah. Good move. So it's kind of stepping done. So then what, I became independent. What period is this? Early 70s still or mid 70s, almost 80s? This is 80. Okay. 1980. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Because I, I just switched from the Smirnoff logo to the it's parallelogram. Okay. Uh, checkerboard. Checkerboard. So that was the turning point. Uh, from Hannafin to being independent, from drug dealer to independent. Okay. <laughs> you, you had to reinvent your logo and name and. There's, kind of. There's all kinds of stepping yeah. stones yeah. in life, you know, yeah. drug dealers, uh, investors, whatever. So, so this guy let you out of your whatever arrangement. So I gave him everything I had, you know, and you know we'd known each other for ten years or something, and uh, anyway, so I'm free. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. And you know to. The wings, but you so. still had the demand for the boards. You still yeah. had customers. You just needed to kind yeah. of get well, yourself. Well, so at that time, yeah, you know, it it's kind of becoming international brand, and we were advertising and and so for magazine, and it, you know, it's kind of the black and white ads were kind of had their trademark kind of punk rock, yeah, kind of attitude, and so. What were you influenced by then at that time? Who were your influences then? Because that's when you, like you said, punk rock was kind of becoming... I never was into punk rock, to tell you the truth. Wow, that surprises me. It's more, you know, more kind of, I mean, music-wise, with David Burns and The Clash and... Thing, kind of new wave. I never really got. Yeah, it's more the new new wave okay. movement. I mean, Clash is kind of like okay, now semi-punk and yeah, yeah, yeah. Clash kind of kind of stands on its own. Yeah. But, um. But then, by the time of the mid '70s, you know, the shit's hitting the fan at 54th Street. You know, we got oh, yeah. a nucleus of a new generation. It went, it went from Blackheath to 54th Street. All the rock stars were at 54th Street. Whole new generation of rippers and. And I moved to a house. Blowing up. I moved to a house at 56th Street on the ocean front, so the front window looked at, out at the whole scene, and so you know that was Kodak Beach. Kodak, yeah. Mike and, Moyer. And the Quicksilver version is Echo Beach. And, yeah. And so that's when the shit hit the fan, you know. And in a, everything in a bad blew way? Off. And there was, there was McCoy. Wave Tools. There was Wave Tools, Stussy, and Shroff. And we were the king of the beat. Yeah. Now, when when you when and you say those names, right, Did you were you friendly with those other guys? Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. You know, we're a competitor, all except Lance. Lance is such a shithead. <laughs> I mean, that guy has such a fucking chip on his shoulder. Yeah. But all the rest of us were, you know, we're all team players. Yeah. Because yeah. if we're no, all succeeding, no, then it's... Nobody gets along with yeah. Lance. I mean, Lance is a 
Yeah. Fucking shithead. So yeah. going back to when you left your drug dealer partner and started your own uh, storefront, right? Uh, you went from 22nd Street to what? Uh, to the oceanfront. To the oceanfront. The front. one you Yeah. Off of Blackie's. Yeah. Now, how long and how did you, like, did you have to get a loan to get that place or like... No. A friend of a friend? It was a friend of a friend. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I wanted to get out of that thing and... Because that was a prime he, location. He, he, he was a coke head. Okay. So he couldn't run a business, you know, and he had... He rich family, Crystal Cove, kind of rich brat. Yeah, yeah. You know, just pay me some he, rent. Decent keep, keep surfer, it, keep it cool. But had a bad coke habit. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs were very prominent back then. Yeah, especially cocaine. Yeah. Right, yeah. cocaine was the drug of choice for everybody at that yeah. time. Yeah, it, it blow. Everything was blow Uncut central pure. in seventy to eighties and. You know, blows back better than ever now. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so then I made a mistake at doing a few T-shirts, uh-huh. and it turned into a clothing business. Real quick, and then we started doing cut and sew. You know, the the eighties became clothing. Yeah, yeah. You can't. And so uh, that's what. Can I get, interrupt you real quick? One of my first real surf clothing was a pair of Shroff pink shorts. You're kidding me. I swear to God. <laughs> Mine is a town and country t-shirt for sure. Mine was, yeah. It but was town and country was happening at the same time, but yeah. it was a Hawaiian brand. Yeah. You know? But they're kind of tapping into Little the pockets, Apple Beach yeah. market, you know, with the sprays and and the attitude and stuff. That was the Hawaiian version of it. So, we're talking about you living at 56th Street, looking out the window. Fuck. (laughs) You wanna try like a man's brew? (laughs) A what? A man's brew. A man's brew? A man's brew. Oh. Look at this guy. Those are fucking bird seeds. These are man seeds. Oh, you got your own mix of of uh, protein nuts. over here. Nuts. We're, so yeah, we're eating nuts. Okay, let's talk places. about Echo Beach and your role. Oh, this, this is this is the the nut real. Dude, you got some fucking good ones right here. I mix them myself. A little ration of everything. Really? Yeah, just sit it down and you guys can enjoy. So. But I just got sick of you guys eating the bird seeds. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, uh, yeah. The the main players in surfboard shaping, you, Sean Stussy, Wave Tools, um, and McCoy's. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. You know? And we all had our team writers, and, you know, it was just, it was just a, it's when all the planets just aligned perfectly. Yeah. And it was a 10 year period from 
76 to 1986. And then Tom Kern and the Almeric took over with the homogenized clear board. The hexagons. Become sort of like Tom Kern thing. Yeah. Yeah, The individualism ended in 1986. OP. I want to really dive into like. Channel Islands. Your your heyday with with the 54th Street crew. Who was who was your main like team guy at that time? Who rode your boards? Huey. Hugh Johnson. Okay. I don't know who that is. Yeah, he 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 was dubbed as the uh, the California but rabbit. Wow. He searched a lot like rabbit. Hmm. But just crazier. Is he from Newport? Yeah. Hugh Johnson. Yeah, he was okay. my right hand man. Okay. And then you know and we all dabbled. And sometimes people, you know, Smirk rode the board and Gothard Smirk rode Mangan, the board. Gothard. But sometimes they traded off from wave tools and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the Langdales and But yeah, it's a tight knit family. Yeah. I mean The big umbrella is it was Kodak Beach. That's the big umbrella. Mm-hmm. We all knew everybody the benefited from that beach. Right. Everybody benefited that was in the scene. Right Studio there. 54. Yeah. 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 Studio 54. It yeah. was, the, it was the, new, the West Coast version, yeah. daytime version of Studio 54. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, like the surf shops weren't just selling boards, they were starting to sell clothing, they were selling accessories. I'm sorry, can you start from the beginning? I said the, all the surf shops at that time. Quicksilver's having success, they're selling clothing and not just surfboards out of the shop. So, yeah. the, so the surf scene was on the clothing side, the accessory side, Yeah. the brand side was blowing and so up. That brings it back to saying, I made four t-shirts, they got skyrocketed. They're all very new wave. Yeah. You know, um, and so I got sucked into the clothing business. Yeah. Because that's where and a lot of money's at. I couldn't do both, so I kind of dropped the surfboard and got into the closing thing. And at a certain point, I started spitting up blood because surfboards are easy for me. I know how to do everything, but I don't speak Spanish. I had to drive to L.A. to deal with the contractors. We get 3,000 pieces back that were fucked up. We had ship date. Wow. I just, and I said, fuck it. I licensed the line out and went to work for Gotcha. Wow. I did. I did. Wasn't worth killing myself over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere. Can we go and back though? I created a monster. You did, because you had an epic name and an epic reputation, and you were at the forefront of neon. You were, you know, checkerboard neon, leopard skin, cheetah, the the '80s. Kind of new way, yeah. Fucking surf scene. It was fucking blowing up, and and Sean was pretty, pretty keen on his game, also. You yeah. know. But it's funny, like you guys kind of started off. You were at the same place at the same. Well, time. Well, he started off as Russell. Well, Russell. he first started off as Oli, and you know Oli yeah. brand yeah. and uh, Maui Surfside. Um, Surfside. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So he 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 was trained by Macklin. Macklin Ernie. 
which was the shaper of uh, Oli. Then he went to Russell, you know, and he kind of replaced uh, Bruce Jones. So yeah, you got. It's an intricate history. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it's, it's interesting that you ask all these questions because yeah, nobody's it. ever been so thorough on these questions. Well, oh. and I can't believe I, I, hanging out with you guys, I can't, dude, can't really, this, I don't believe we, I'm such a history. This book. is what we Bro, eat. We're stir fucking. This is what we eat, live, freaking breathe. I was just picking up a board from Tim Stamps a couple days ago, and asking how business is. It's been just you know, heart board building's been really strong with the influx of new participants and people getting into the board and I'm like where's your where's your protege where's your new guy that you're training he's all man it's I can't find fucking anybody to freaking grind it out and learn and it's really hard for the you know to find somebody not just to train but to help you know whether it's glassing or air spraying no, or I, board well, building I think ever since the pandemic and all that free gov- government money yeah. people Fucking ruined it. It's wow. been kind of like the the fall of the Western civilization. <laughs> it, there's people that needed help, and then there's the people that took advantage. Movie, of it. I love the that fall movie. of the yeah. Western civilization. Darby crash. Like, this is the reality of it. Yeah. It's that all the restaurants are desperate to find workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got, I don't know what happened to the country. Okay, go back to to Shroff. You're in your heyday. You. you Started yeah. making clothing. Yeah. You fucking. Yeah. It, it was making you bleed inside. Yeah. You so got with gotcha. I, I approached Michael Thompson, and you know I had a good enough reputation. Now they just hired me on the spot on a retainer. I moved to L.A. and I dropped out of the surf world. And I just um, Michael Thompson put me in the design room to do dopey fucking. Walmart T-shirt, <laughs> so uh-huh. I pop them out, and I go fuck, whatever it takes, you know. So, to so pay the you rent. got job security, you got freedom, your but own then, schedule, but you're but popping then out. They put me in the marketing department, and that's where I sung. You know, I was doing the trade show booths, working with Mark Price. Mark Price and I were like best friends. We hang out, did blow all the time, and <laughs> blow was flowing like. <laughs> Those like, guys have the like, budget to do like, whatever the no, fuck they wanted. <laughs> so we did everything together. And, you know, Gotcha was a good crew. And, and Were you at the ground level of Gotcha? What? Were you pretty much the beginning of Gotcha? No. I think it was a really No, they were definitely. So I went to Gotcha in 1986. And they were already pretty solid. Okay. You know, and... Uh, so wait, um... You, you you approached Michael Thompson and said, hey, I want a job. I want to work with Gotcha. Or yeah. And he, and he goes, um, he goes, I, know, I never forget that. He goes, I know you can't work for anybody, so we're going to put you on a retainer and I'll just give you a project and you need to come in once in a while, okay? Wow. <laughs> he knew you that well. That's good. Yeah, so... And that's what we did. I just went in once or twice a week from L.A. when I moved to L.A. And he gave me a project. He tried me out with t-shirt bullshit, drawing palm trees and different versions of Gotcha logo. And then he stuck me in the marketing department working with Mark Price and doing the trade booths. And 
that's when I sung, you know, and that's where I started to get my training. More creative, and they, they had the freedom out. to do yeah. cool shit. And then we created this wicked uh, trade show booth, and, and, you know, we started working on MCD, more core division, another line called Bash, and so. And then. Were you. Gotcha, got too big for the britches, they moved to a bigger location, they started selling the Mervin, got to collapse. Can so, we backtrack here though? So Shroff, you, you moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Why did I you move to Well, I was into art. I was yeah. coming up here, all, driving up to LA all the time for inspiration, art, art. and um, and I was into performance. So, uh, my new girlfriend and I, we rented the studio downtown and we opened up a performance space and we lived there. So we do like uh, two performances, inviting all of our friends and relationships uh, to performance in the studio, 50, uh, studio 3A, that was the studio and the comp, you know. That was the name of the lot, or the, the unit? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, down in the um, Alameda district. What uh, were you performing? Uh, it's like experimental theater, you know. We just write pieces and, and perform them out. Just but what, like, like... Very experimental theater. Yeah, but what, was it music? Was it like no, acting it, or... It, like theater. Okay. Not music. Okay. Yeah, I... I I have no beat whatsoever. <laughs> I can't. I don't. So under, I don't understand. You can. Counting. You can draw, but you can't. I don't guitar. understand counting beat. Yeah, it's pretty eccentric to just up and leave Newport and go to L.A. Well, not really, because I was. Oh, I was going to L.A. so much to begin with. Okay. What was I your girlfriend? Cal Art. What was your girlfriend doing? I went to. I went to school at Cal Art in the mid-70s, so I was driving up to Valencia all the time, you know. Oh, okay. We didn't we didn't talk about that. So you went to art school in Valencia? Yeah. Okay. To study uh, what, like fine art or... Well, they didn't ask mechanic. you what you wanted to study, but my main focus was performance. And I, concept, con, conceptual, conceptual art. art and performance. So cool. uh, my professors were Laurie Anderson, Michael Asher, John Baldessari and uh, Can you explain what performance art is? Well, performance art is kind of like what we're talking about is when you have the Bing and the Half Jacobs and you have the mainstream brand and then the backyard builder start to take form. Yeah. So can you picture that? Mm-hmm. You know, you got the Alvin Ailey and you got the big theater group and stuff. Um, I can't think of them. But then you start to go off on a friend and invent a new thing. So that's basically um, performance art. It's, Would you get I a- think the easiest way to describe it is when the pilgrim came here from 
England. They wanted to get some freedom away from the religions and the politics. They wanted to find the land of the free. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're, you're, so we wanted to find an it's avenue. It's fucking deep, but yeah, I kind of get it. We wanted to, <laughs> we wanted to find a, a ground that we could have freedom to investigate. Express. It's almost like you, you, you have like an audition studio for like people that want to learn acting, but like, but yet it's like you're not your aspiration isn't to be an actor for the theater. Bingo. Like it's kind of like you have. Well, it even goes deeper, but you hit the nail on the head. And so, I was the worst because I'm premeditated <laughs> and everything. You know, I, I think about things. Yeah. And yeah. I go, if you put this in here. And so, I started taking improv class. Improv? Improv. And I was the worst. <laughs> because I'm, I'm always trying to think. Formulate? Because too analytical if you're not in the moment, yeah. If you're not in a moment, you're not free. Yeah. You're thinking about what makes people happy or digging in your bag of tricks and stuff. Yeah. And so I spent probably 20 years in improv class wow. and I became very good at it. Yeah. I can go in with nothing now. But I was the worst at the That's beginning. That's a skill. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, you either have or you have to work at it just like in anything. So, so you, you went to Gotcha and started in graphic arts and then started doing the marketing trade no show No graphic booth. art, I hate fucking graphic or, art. Or what, well, I mean design, right? Like yeah. Marketing. Yeah. I'm more of a concept person. Yeah. The, that's my graphic design, I do Bonnie Rubble sketches. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what he hired you to do designs, right, first? No, I think that they kind of hired me for um, my reputation. Yeah. Usually, Gotcha, Quicksilver, OP, O'Neill would hire me when they're in a slump. They want to bring a little fucking punk rock into the company to reinvent it. Yeah. yeah. They're getting too cookie cutter. We need to bring in freaking shock. Yeah. Mix I it mean, up. fucking, what could be a more stuffier brand than OP? Yeah. And when we fucking did this mega booth in Las Vegas with the go-go girls and it's all plexi and put OP back on the map at numero uno. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So, okay, so I, I like yeah. reinventing brands. Yeah. I'm more of a con concept person. Were you, yeah. were you responsible for um, uh, God, what was their freaking Lycra Hydro uh, Hydrolite? Hydrolite. <laughs> yeah. You know, the rash guard set up. Just kidding. I'm just the, the 80s neon, I just remember the Lycra and Rashgard was like such a fucking epic era. So how long did you work with Gotcha for? Well, from 85 or 86 to 91. And then they hit a brick wall and they collapsed. And so Shaheen which is kind of a design that went to Quicksilver and he brought me to Quicksilver. So then I spent... So it was Shaheen that helped get you in the Quicksilver camp? Well, I was going to go there anyway, but he got the foot in the door and they yeah. all knew me anyway. So, And they were ready for a revamp themselves, you know. Yeah. So that, that's when we did, like, 
the big metal booths and yeah. and started doing the weird advertising with with uh, Matt Patterson and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. You know Matt? Yeah. You can't yeah. rock and roll, don't fucking come? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was the next generation for Quicksilver. Um, Shaheen, what, what, where did he come from? Is he a surfer or is he... No, he, he's a garmental. Okay. You know. Yeah. He's a good guy. He yeah. opened up the camp and yeah. stuff, you know. No, I... I yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's, he's kind of the guy behind the scenes for most people that hear his name, you know, that really don't know him. And even us that have been in the industry, we're like, wow, this guy's done a lot of shit. He was a president or right-hand man to McKnight for a while, there, right? He was the president of Quicksilver? I know. He'd been here before, and we're good buddies. And, yeah. And... Um, like I say, it's all surf family. Yeah. They go through our up and downs and and you know it's just really sad that I'm up against Mark Price and Kelly Slater. Because, you know, like I said, I was best friends with Mark Price for a bit mm-hmm. I mean, in the gotcha days and we just took different forks in the road. Yeah. So <laughs> what what do you think of the man Yeah. So much better. So good. Yeah. So, I, I like it all. So you went from... You can dump some of those in there. I did. Yeah. yeah I have yeah. some birds to eat too. These, these are salted, so I, I need salt. So you went... Okay. Yeah, you became the integral part of oh, Quicksilver. Right. Too salty? You're not eating fucking bird teeth, you're eating salt. <laughs> That's what I said. You thought they were addicted to salt. Oh my god. You got salt water in the veins, bro. Let me go get the salt shaker. Because <laughs> this thing's boring to you. No, we're good. We don't don't worry it. about it. So, Quicksilver, oh, you were, you were, man. uh, oh. you were, um, Fuck. part you of the whole. Central. You're part of the whole look and feel of what. Quicksilver was becoming. I just need another beer. <laughs> you right? You're good. Fucking man. No wonder you weren't dipping in. Um, he just threw a bunch of salt in the snacks that he provided us. Um, so 91, you, you, you start working for Quicksilver. And uh, how long was that run? And what did you do there? Five years. Um, probably lasted there, and then I had a falling out. Um, um, with the guy I was kind of working with there. So we kind of started our own business on the side, <laughs> Quicksilver, <laughs> doing. Doing um, retail stores and and um, the board riders clubs, right? Trade, trade shows and stuff for like what was the guy um, Beach Access? What was the guy? Tom Tom Noble. Oh, Beach Access. Tom Beach Noble. Access? Yeah, yeah. Like South Coast Plaza doing stores for him. So we started something on the side, you know. So anywho, we had kind of an agreement. I was kind of like the conceptual designer and he would hustle the work. Well, he wasn't carrying his load. We weren't getting enough work, you know? Wow. 
so then I met the on a pro Quicksilver project in New York. I met the Brazilian girlfriend. She was a Brazilian a Brazilian model. Yeah, you did. Whatever I say, stay away from Brazilian. <laughs> she took me for a ride. So anyway, so we had a falling out. So he blamed everything on me because we were, we were doing production in the back of Quicksilver, you know. Yeah. Thing, you know? Well, there's another brand that kind of probably did that too, that, you know. Oh, really? Most people know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the Quicksilver days finally ended. And you know, and everything fell apart. Danny got busted for his investment in Volcom. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, so what's the next question? <laughs> that, got, that got you. We're we're up to about ninety-five now. I know. So we, yeah, we we uh. Fifty years is a long time to cover. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's why we're gonna have but to. But it's probably also do it. interesting. You yeah, know, like we're, we're gonna have to. We're genuinely. Fucking en enamored by what you've done and what time is it? Buddy? Yeah, it's one. We should probably do. No, no I'm good. I, it's uh, three o'clock. I gotta check people in. So yeah. if we go to two, we're good. Yeah, we probably have to leave. Yeah, a little half an hour. Okay. Yeah. So, so all this amazing art, like you're an art collector, but then you're an art creator, right? Like the you're art creator. Sculptor, Creator? like shaper, you you like art. You like, like these crazy that stuff. the surfboard. I, I just look at it as life. I don't. I hate to call myself an artist. You know. Yeah. That, that's kind of an arrogant term. It, but that's what you <laughs> fucking it's just, are. It's just what you do. Yeah. You know, so a, when did you start? Like, was it during your days at Gotcha or Quicksilver that you were creating these sculptures? The surfboard, you know, works of art. Is that is that when you start doing that, or before, or? Well, I think it started like with a machete and a <laughs> on the fin on the plastic Hobie fin. You yeah, know? it's just like it's just kind of ambitious. Yeah, it kind of it's what makes you tick. Kind of modified thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's just like it's just like I'm a good. Observer, I pay attention, and it's like, uh, what if you did this? Why did you tweak this a little bit? Yeah. yeah, you think outside the box, but you're not scared to take those risks, anyways. Like you know, just well, that's what holds my interest. It's yeah, kind of modify and twist thing. No, that's how I it mean, should be. The next project is a fucking dive, fucking roadside uh, motel in town. And he took a fucking dive, probably rent by the hour room. Yeah. I drew up a whole fucking plan for it. I'm looking for investors, because I'm not doing it on my dime anymore. Yeah. It's just turning this thing into a swanky fucking hot spot uh, in town. Yeah. It's 38 fucking room. You can, there's a lobby where you can do a restaurant. You mm. have a swimming pool that's full of dirt with a tree growing in it. <laughs> but that, yeah, that, that sparks your interest yeah. right there. That that's where my focus is now. I like yeah. it. So, tell us about like, did you go on any crazy surf trips that you you uh, will forever remember in your mind, like going to Hawaii or Maui or? I think one of 
first thing that popped in my head is when my dad first moved there, we kind of customized it. You know, my dad kind of smart too, street wise. And they're all wise to the Hawaiians hate white folks. 69. Yeah. Hawaii, the hippies came over there. They hate the Holly. Yeah. The Mokes fucking absolutely hate them. Yeah. You know, they're living off the land, they're leaving trash over the place. They're just like milking the system. You know about the whole hippie thing in yeah. Hawaii at the I late got 60s. Overtaken. So, we had an O'Connor line, a Port O'Connor line van. So we took it out. He put a nice brown Cordova uh, brown metallic paint job on it. We put some sparkling uh, chrome mag wheels on it. Pentmobile. And went to Matsalime, put the van in there, and we moved to Maui. And we lived in the van for like a year. Wow. We so you, you dialed the van in here, your dad dialed it here, and in, in California you shifted over there. Yeah, well, yeah. it was our van, and the dashboard, he took doilies and did psychedelic things on it, because you know, they're all into the psychedelic thing. And fuck, we took that thing over there, Back on Maui, there was nothing like that. The fucking mokes would go. Look at the hummingbird. The hummingbirds come up and they think the disco ball is a feeder. They come and poke <laughs> at it, you know. And the birds always come in here. It's kind of a, you know, they know this is an oasis also. Yeah. So the moke, we drive up the gas station and they go, fucking, hey, you know. So we're kind of welcome because we're unique. Yeah. So what was the question again? You're, you're oh, living in Hawaii was one oh, of your memorable okay. like surf trips. surf trips. Yeah. And what? Oh, and, surf and trips. Surf trips. Yeah. Okay, so you know when we moved over there, you know we knew we. He found out he started working at a body shop over there, Yosuzawa Body Shop in Kaului, and so I would. When he goes to work, I got my driver's license at 13, so I'd drive the Conaline over uh, to Lahaina and go surfing every day. And so my dad's kind of a fuck, fuck with people kind of guy. So he fucked with the pineapple drivers, you know, the pineapple truck drivers. They drive the big pineapple truck. So they caught me one from Malaya, Malaya, there's a weavy road that goes around uh, to Lahaina. They caught me with two trucks, thinking it was my dad, and they fucking slammed me. And I just got my driver's license, and I just started driving. Between two of them, I couldn't speed up, I couldn't slow down, so they controlled me, going around the fucking cliffy thing. So that was one of my most memorable Maui experiences <laughs> at 14 is the fucking Almost getting, run uh, getting out the, the road, repercussion not the of my dad fucking with people <laughs> because he would always ride their ass, you know, because they're so slow. Yeah. And they, they knew the van with the mag wheels. 
And so they got me thinking it was my dad, and yeah. they just took me for a ride, you know. So that was a challenge. Yeah. So, so did good. you go to any other places like Bali or uh, Tahiti or? Uh-uh. Never? Australia no. a few times? I, you know, I never. For some reason, it just, Bali seemed too good to be true. And it's kind of seen, I kind of like pop culture. Yeah. Hawaii was pop culture. Yeah. I, and Australia is pop culture. So I've been to Australia several times been to Europe a million times, New York. Hot spots. I, I, I just like nucleus. I don't, I'm not a nature person, you yeah. know, I like pop culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to be on a beach I'm with palm not, trees as much as <laughs> surfing and then being in the, in the streets. Yeah. So going back to you after Quicksilver, what would you do after Quicksilver? Um, then it became kind of like a free-for-all. I just... Freelance. People just, just like, approached me. Yeah, Gotcha and Quicksilver were retainers. I was exclusive, you know. And after falling out with my friend, and we're still best friends, the guy I had a falling out with, it's like... What would you rather do? Hold a grudge or make amends? Make amends. amends. Yeah. So, yeah. I've always been one to... It's not always easy, and whoever's no, right I, or wrong you is have to, still... You really have to swallow your short. pride. Yeah, <laughs> life's too short. And pride is one of the deadly seven sins, you know? Yeah. So, it's always the challenge of, of facing the deadly seven sins, you know? Pride, what's another one? Gluttony and... Yeah. So, we're... It's human nature. You're always up against those things. But to to be totally free, you know, it... Yeah. Animals have it pretty simple. A fucking bear goes out and does what it does. It yeah. hibernates and goes to sleep yeah. and stuff. But we're cursed with the thinking mind. Yeah. Yes. It makes it very complex to be human, a human species, you know? Yeah. Which is, which is our main characteristic. Is a, a bear can, I mean, I don't think I had the capacity to they go on a waterfall and scoop out a fucking salmon with my fucking right. paw, you know? Right. <laughs> so this is our characteristic, is to conceptualize and think. Yeah. And, we also can get lazy and conform and turn into kind of an animal thing, you know? And, but. <laughs> I, I, not much I love of a this. future in that. Yeah, well, it, it's one of those things where you, you, you want to live life without harming others. You, 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 you want to love, but the world is fucked up and it's hard to like balance like all of that, you know. Well, the world isn't fucked up. No, it's exactly where it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? I just there's a lot of forces that could yeah. persuade your. But, but the only reason life. I take kind of viewpoints is, like I say, I have a long history with all the board manufacturers, and then some jackass comes in here and starts producing, 
in China, and we already have a homeless problem here, you know? And taking our work to overseas places, that's when I start to have a little voice, you know? Yeah. And I start to take the work from my family, surfboard industry, because that's where the chainsaw comes in the picture, you know? Yeah, yeah. Is, that's where the performance is, art comes in. I wouldn't do this with the clothing industry, I wouldn't do this with toaster oven, but I have a big enough voice in the surf world that I can put a dent in a stick and a spoke of that kind of progress. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, I'm not doing the chainsaw thing out of ego. Yeah. I'm doing part of our surf culture. Yeah. yeah. To preserve it. Like, that's performance art. Is that, is that clear? Yeah, definitely. Well, well because you're, you're I have the performance art background, that would give me the tools to fight this, to fight this battle in heaven. Yeah. Well, there's that. You know, you you come from a a breed of do-it-yourself. You know, generation of you know entrepreneurs well, and just Ameri figuring it out. American, American. That's and why the pilgrim came here. Yeah. To reinvent. And that. Yeah. And. Kind of got watered down. Kelly could have, I mean, I think Kelly is probably set for life. He could have sent all of his work to local businesses. Why did he send his work to Firelighter and to get boards in this country for 150 bucks? Because greed. And he could have been a national hero, but he sold out on it. Yeah, I think, you know, this, this and world... And so, that's why, that's why the attention... Sh I'm doing a collaboration with Hidden Shape right now, with the STAB, which has been magical. Yeah. So... Are we I allowed to I, put that out or no? No, you can. Okay. Because it, it's been announced. Because you went, shh! Well, <laughs> you know... You heard it here first. Well... The, the whole, the first chop show was the Hayden shape. Yeah, I remember he that. Was doing Chinese. Yeah, and so we had a conflict. But you know, Dab approached me a few months ago of doing a collaboration with Hayden shape. Awesome. And it's been a magical experience. Cool. And, and I just think it's just like forgive and see what you can create together. Yeah. And yeah. it will inspire him to create and keep things down home. Like I said, grudges get you nowhere. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you can, what can you give up to create something new? Yeah. No, yeah. I, that's hard to do, but it's the best thing to do. It's not human nature because animal nature, things thing feels threatening, you attack. It's just your nature. Yeah. But that's the capacity that human beings have to, to override that instinct yeah. of protecting. So going, I mean, she doesn't so, have that self-image. Yeah. yeah. So and go going back to Quicksilver, that ran its course. Then where you, did you take that? Is that when you took twenty-five years off from the industry? No, I basically took twenty-five years off from when I moved to LA. Okay. I was just earning a paycheck, 
and having fun at the same time, doing yeah. loads of blow and, <laughs> and, and and having fun with the surf crew. But you know, I just kind of left the the surf world. I just became a a marketing agent. Yeah, you know. Were you surfing that whole time too, or no? No. No. So you quit surfing for twenty five years. Basically, wow. Stop shaping. Okay, but I did, you know, earning a paycheck to pay the rent. <laughs> where, 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 where else did you start? Where did you go after Quicksilver? Freelance. Freelance. Uh, yeah, freelance. Just um, O'Neill and um, OP and just whoever knocked on the door. Yeah. You know, and but then the garment industry around 2004 collapsed. You know, so nobody could afford me anymore. <laughs> because I'm like 250 bucks an hour. You know? <laughs> Shroff ain't so, cheap. That's 2004. <laughs> Shroff ain't cheap. Yeah. Well, hey, but this was just back into the 2000, the $250 an hour because I'm a magician. I, I go in and just bam, bam, bam. It's very clear to me. So I'm worth $250 an hour. Now, I'm probably worth five hundred dollars an hour, easy, or a grand an hour. Yeah. You know, it's just like I can go in and assess a situation and reinvent something very quickly. It's just how my mind works. Yeah, that's uh, well. We've seen it firsthand. Yeah, we've seen it firsthand. <laughs> yeah. We've seen what you are about and what you've created. Yeah, this it, is incredible. It, it, I'm probably. If I had to relate to something, I would say I'm probably a re reincarnation of Dolly. You know? I could see that. But not out of ego or Picasso, but just out of ambition and yeah. exploration. Yeah. You know? An interest of like what you want to create. Well, just passion yeah. for like challenges. Yeah. No, it's it's <laughs> fucking it, amazing. It's, and I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that out of ego. I'm just saying out of how to give you guys um, a step door um, to the way I work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gave us, I mean, a history lesson, but, yeah, but also the way you approach the industry and what you want to leave as a mark and, and carve your own path is it's so, incredible. So um, nowadays, are you surfing at all, or have you have you been uh, fuck, man. in the water? Or? That's, a, that's a tough cookie because this project has been so demanding. You're talking about the property yeah. here, yeah? And the city just put me out of business with the hotel, just all the bureaucrat things. So yeah. You know, I had to get an attorney, how to go around the bureaucrat. I mean, I thought in a shithole like San Pedro, I can get away with murder. Yeah. <laughs> but, fuck. For business. It's still it LA it County, you know, yeah, and yeah. doing it the fucking. So I don't know. I might wind up in a tent under the fucking bridge pretty soon. <laughs> and smoking loads of fucking hash and just. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, it, it it it's a pretty. After all the pandemic, bureaucrat and the Trump ruling, 
and the little wimpy tail Biden thing and is and thinking about maybe the next step of just moving down to San Miguel and living out of the camper yeah. if, <laughs> if the pressure gets too, too radical. Could yeah, I to answer your question, the pressure here has been facing a foreclosure and all of the bureaucrat stuff and how to have freedom to spread your wings and create something for the world. Is the cookie cutter world isn't really receptive to that kind of thing anymore. You know, and everything's too corporate. Like I say, my last resort, I have a pretty good attorney. I'm going to put him on it and see if we can. I mean, why would anybody fight me? I'm an only fucking hot. That fight came up here. Yeah. But they're fighting me. Yeah. Crazy. But you, you have created a beautiful oasis here. I know, so it's worth protecting. It's worth protecting. Because I got a lot of fucking energy into it. And you, and you are I got, getting... I got $2 million invested in this fucking play. So, yeah, I got my life savings riding on this. Yeah. So, I'm going to do my best to yeah. defend it and have... What do they call it? You, anybody can do anything when they're on sea and in the air. You're beyond the laws. Yeah, gravity and whatever gravity Just, holds yeah, you. Yeah, what the, the term for it. Yeah. So, it'd be nice to get that granite here. Because, can well, you, international Can waters. you imagine doing mega fucking clubs here? Oh, dude. You get yeah. fucking... You got all kinds of room. fucking DJ. Yeah. And You're not bothering anybody. It's, it's like $1,000 a ticket. You invite 100 people and you get Clark Blanc to anything here. Yeah. I mean... The possibilities on this fucking hill or fucking yeah. So we're gonna fight for it. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Get get Paul Fisher to <laughs> DJ the event. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you could, you Paul could, the you fish. Could bring some high high class talent here. That's for right. sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you could have fucking Tiesto come here and do the fucking and <laughs> and you get all the high rollers driving up in their Lamborghini, thousand bucks a head plus. Yeah. Expenses, you know, yeah. and and um, we're gonna have to cut, cut that you know, part out too. <laughs> the, the potential, and there's no neighbors. You yeah. can just fucking do music. Yeah, but, I mean, we've done it like 24/7, like music thing. Nobody disturbed. I'm friends with all the police because I cleaned up the hill. Yeah, so I have a good relationship. I just gotta get over the L.A. house and yeah. you know, so. Anyway, we need, we need to vote those people out. That's what <laughs> yeah. it is. Just no, let, let people figure out how to make a living without the regulations, and you know we gotta have the bureaucracy, gotta have some taxation. Well, we gotta have some law and order, but let let people, you know. Well, let me back up a little bit. It's just like when I moved downtown, did this happened in New York and everything else? Is the artist established a play? In Soho, yep. the commercial industry comes in and starts bringing the retail and condos into play. So Soho moved to the East Village. Yeah. Then the East, same thing happened to they the East Village. They get forced out. They get moved so out. So they moved to the Lower East Side. Same yeah. thing happens there. Then they moved to the Meatpacking District. Yeah. So they, 
the artists tend to move to the available elbow room play, and the same thing in Venice. You but know. that becomes uh, the hot spot, and then the, it get the upcharges yeah. go. Well, downtown I moved there in the mid-80s, and the developer came in, because the art, artists make things desirable. Yeah, yeah. They give it culture, yeah. and restaurants open, and then the developers come in, and then they open up condos. Our rent downtown went from 20 cents a square foot to 85%, 85 cents to a dollar a square foot. And so we moved out. Yeah. And the same thing happens all over the world. Yeah. The artists cultivate a place, and the developers see a commodity, yeah. they come in and develop it, they squeeze it. So my proposition, rent control for the artist, not the Mexicans and the black. Keep the culture and evolve culture. Yeah. You know, so they can stay in an area. And well culture is like colorless. It's religionless. It's 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 about people's passion for arts and, and music and you know whatever whatever they want it to be. Yeah. And yeah. It's desirable to the general yeah. public. They like yeah. that. They gobble it up. Yeah, but, that's, that's the. But you need. They're to, usually improving the to, community. You need to develop a, a program that keeps the artists in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, uh, they, they rather than squeeze them out by raising the rent. What what the problem the problem that you you talk about is commercialization, right? Commercialization of of yeah of a but the co- commercialization evolved out of a seed that the art community planted. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 And it's just, in, in prime example, to kind of spell it up simply, you know, those, it was very organic. Um, 54th Street was yeah. very organic. And then Quicksilver, Paul Hughes and Dam, everybody came in, wanted to commercialize it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong desirable. with that. As long as you keep the salt in it and have, I'm sorry. It's it. There's nothing wrong with commercializing something, but not to the extent that it extinguishes it. Yeah, you, no, right? it, you, you it, move it, out the local. It to it to synergize it. Synergize it. But yeah. you can't you can't squeeze uh, the seeds out. Yeah. You can't make it. You can't. Um, if you don't fertilize the seed, well, let me go on further. So, what happened downtown, and this happens everywhere, is the developers squeeze the artists out by cranking the, the rent up, and that's why I moved. My rent went from 20 cents a square foot to 85 cents a square foot. The community left, the restaurant died, the performance place closed, lace moved to Hollywood, Everything died downtown, so it flopped. Yeah. Without the culture of the artist, it falls. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I you know, so. Yeah. It's, so it's for developers to start to realize the importance of the art community, building the communities that they built their commodity on, and taking that as a valid thing. And making sure that the art community stays there to yeah. keep the flame alive. Well, 
you created art here on your oasis, your compound but, here. But and, the city is fighting me to put and, the flame out. And we, we hope that you win that battle. We also hope we could, you know, get people to go buy a Shroff surfboard, you know, get on the, the waiting list, because I, I know there's a, probably a long waiting <laughs> list, but where do they go? Do you have a, a website to, to promote, like the boards? Yeah, it, it's Shroff Surfboard. Look at that, you guys. Shroff surfboards.com yeah so go get an art and if you want to stay and, at and we on like two boards a week that's yeah. how I do you know yeah because I trip out how do they get to stay here at the uh, compound well it used to be Airbnb but the city shut us down so word of mouth so pretty much it, your website it's, Instagram it's Instagram DM. Yeah. Okay. Instagram. You know, maybe, you know, I've already been liquidated. I used to be Peter Schroff on Instagram. And Mark Price got an attorney to have me liquidated. So it just vanished one day. And any day, especially after the last chainsaw massacre, I could vanish again. Yeah. Because, hey, attorneys can make anything happen. Right. And so, you know, best friends become major conflict. Yeah. Depends depends on the fork you take in the road. Yeah. Look at the fork in the road that James Dean took in his Porsche. Yeah. Killed him. Yeah. Well, Dude, yeah, this is just part one, you know. That. Yeah, we're I coming think back. We're we're gonna have to come no, back. No, you're gonna have up. to dissect this thing. Yeah, and then we can kind of hone in and, yeah. and focus. And you know, you might not even want to publish any of this right now. It's oh, just, we're publishing kinda, this. It's been a history lesson. And, yeah, and it's something to digest and edit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to hey, This is the heaviest interview I ever did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we, we I would, love we, it. We you would pushed lo- me a long way. Yeah, we Dude. would like to launch and then get people's perspective because there's I'm, there's so many people that we know that are affiliated with you and have history and be like, oh, you should ask them about this or that. No, and it's just like, we like you guys were the most cohesive interview and came in with uh, my opening your, my, your my opening monologue was uh, yeah, on point. Fuck, right? that thing <laughs> blew me away. I, I knew I was in for trouble right there. No, but we are very big fans of Peter Schroff Definitely. and the the legacy that you've yeah. laid out for the world to enjoy. You know, and you know me growing up in that era of. Cheetah, Starman, Checkerboard, yeah. Polka Dot. I mean, I am so honored to yeah. grow up in Newport Beach. Oh. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, Newport Beach. It, the timing was amazing, and I had so many heroes. And I still remember in probably in '67 or '68 is David Nueva was a frequent blackie and we'd all get out of the water and watch David 
David Nueva, yeah. Grace Take Nueva. notes. The pro I shows mean, up. You go and the watch. The most beautiful fucking graceful surfer you would ever imagine. Yeah. And we, all of us would literally get out of the water and sit on the beach and just watch him. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking cool. I believe it. I mean. Yeah. And. He was a rock star. <laughs> fuck yeah. Fuck. He, he was the first person that took it to the rock star level. Right. Drugs and everything. Yeah. You know? the, the cars, the flashy clothes. Wearing Nehru's yeah. to the fucking surfer's pole. And driving. Shag haircuts. Yeah, wearing fur coats and, and he driving. Was, he's rolls. literally the rock star of surf. Nobody even touched Nobody. it. Not even Mike Purpose of the Puka show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is embarrassing. Which is embarrassing. But Nueva never. Yeah. White Jaguar fucking god bitches and under each arm, <laughs> <Yeah>. her coat. <laughs> Living it. That fucking yeah. rock, yeah. fucking rock and. Yeah. He put the P in P I M P. He was well, the, the first pimp of yeah. the game. And, you know, between Andy Warhol and David Nueva, yeah. that sums me up. Oh, man. Yeah. You fall beautiful. right in the mix. Hey, yeah. thank you. Pop, thank pop, you, pop. part one. Peter <laughs> Pimp Schroth, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for taking us on this uh, great host. Incredible uh, tour tour of, of your complex, your oasis. Um, we're, we, ha- we definitely have to come back and do a, a second part you, to yeah. this. You're always welcome yeah, dude. here. And uh, that, that people, just, people who only see it on our Patreon account will we'll have that linked for you guys because... We want people to see what you've created. This oh, is incredible. It's incredible. We're going to get you business. Well, thank you. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to get, get you business. We're going to keep this busy. Thank, thank you, sir. You. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Peace. Thank you. Bonsai Bowls. Hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii. Five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 